Queer Longing, a podcast where we discuss and explore everything that we're longing for and living for in our queer community. I'm Olivia Taylor. And I'm Lucy, big puddle of sweat, Cecil. <laughs> oh, you and me both. I mean, obviously everyone is just melting. I keep, I keep thinking about that song. Do you remember that song by The Used? Yes. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> That's just me now. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but um, as I was just explaining to you, I do have a selection of hand fans all around me. And that actually, not to jump the gun, is my living for. I am living for my hand fans. Look, Olivia, we said we're going we're gonna to barrel through this episode and therefore get to it. That's what you're living for, your gorgeous hand fans, which I do love because they look like they would not do much, but they are small yet mighty, as you I probably know. know. Yes, that's how, that's how I describe them. Um, everyone at work thinks that I have shares in hand fans, but I might as well because I have like six of them at this point. But they're so good. You can get them in all different colours and it's just a, a great time. Um, so that is what I am living for. Let's just, let's just play a bit of living and longing tennis. Why don't we go to you next for your living for? Oh my God. Well. I know. Mess with the format. Keep the audience on their toes at all times. We're going to keep you guessing this summer. (laughs) (laughs) We're a year and a half in and it's time to keep you guessing. Um, I am living for, it's it's on theme with um, it being very hot and all the bits. I'm living for the little amounts of swimming I've been doing recently in uh, gorgeous natural spots. Um, oh, so, yeah, I, I saw yeah. that picture that your sister um, put up. Was that good? Yeah, so we went um, we went and stayed at my parents' house because they were away, so we went and like stayed at the house. Um, and on the way uh, there, we went by the Peak District and went to Black, Blackmere, Blakemere, I can't remember what it was called. Um, and it was basically just a big puddle in the ground. Um, <laughs> and uh, I didn't go in there because it looked really gross. And um, this guy had like, come up to us as we had pulled up and was like oh don't go swimming in there girls there's uh, there's dead sheep <laughs> like, what <laughs> so i was like mm, i'm a bit bit uh, like put off that um uh, so i didn't go in but, but Izzy and Adam did. What? how did he know that <laughs> well yeah it was really weird because like we pulled up and parked and then he pulled up and parked behind us there were other people already there there was a guy already in the puddle and he just literally like stormed out the car over to the edge to like look at the 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 lake puddle um and then turned to us and was like oh don't go swimming in there there's dead sheep and then just left (laughs) so they're all coming just to let you know not to swim there basically yeah it was very odd but um we still swam i mean i didn't swim there but izzy and adam swam there um and i dipped my toes in which was all right but it was just a bit gross i was like "Mm, i can't be fucked till I go in there um so then we didn't but then um we have found well, we've always known that there's this like river spot near uh, my parents house where you can go swimming and um, we've never actually been and we went and it's just the most delightful like river uh, absolutely like gorgeous place in the countryside there are you know a few people there and there's like this bit where you can you go in and it's kind of like all flowing and it's all lovely and fresh and it's like crystal clear and it was so nice but similarly oh, Someone drove past, it's like over this big old Roman bridge. Someone drove past, stopped, wound down my window and went, we weren't in the water at this point, went, oh, be careful, in there there's pollution. (laughs) What is with everybody telling everybody what is in the water? Like, it was unreal. Um, And we were like, well, of course it's pollution, that's 2020, what do you expect? So, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. 
I've been living for it because it's been really nice and refreshing and like it's an actual cold thing to do. So that is my living for. Let's, um, uh, my serve, back to you. What are you longing for this week? Well, speaking of water, Lucy, what I am longing for is another chance to inhabit my new persona as a gorgeous captain of my own ship. Oh, yes. That looked so nice. Tell everybody about what you did. So, um, me and my girlfriend went to the Lake District and we hired this boat um, just for us and then took it out onto the lake in Windermere. And it was so fun. And it was basically <laughs> just like a glorified pedalo. Like it did not go that fast. Um, but it was really fun. And then for a bit of mild peril, because we were really like a small boat, but obviously all the boats were out because it was a really nice weekend. And there were some really big boats on the lake. And then when they went past us, it just like created this like massive riptide. And we'd be like, Whoa! Um, <laughs> it was just really fun and um, nice to just do something from a different um, vantage point and a thing that you can do in a place that is very busy without being near to people like you have to obviously like go onto the main boardwalk bit to get on but um, and there's people there obviously but um, once you're on you're on and then it's just you and the lake and um, yeah really enjoyed that loads um, yeah. listening to Rita Ora on the back of the, back of the boat <laughs> That looks so good. And I, I felt like, and this is maybe just really uh, pinpointing something about my psyche, but like, I always feel like there's certain things that people do or like that you can do that when you do them, uh, make you really feel like an adult. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I've been out on boats and stuff like that, but I've never hired a boat just by myself on my own yet. And I feel like one, the day I do that, I'll feel like an adult. <laughs> That's such a compliment because I love um I love doing things that people perceive to be as adult because like I like don't have my own car and I'm rubbish at driving and I just don't know things. There's so many things I don't know. What? And I'm just very like naive to a lot of adult things. So that's how I feel. No, you're not. So if someone says I'm doing an adult thing, I feel very yes. But I'm, I'm well. I mean, I'm not a Capricorn anymore. But we can't talk about that. Oh. But my my Capricorn brain um, wants to be the most adult person. Wants to be the most in control and chartering a course on their own boat. Yeah. Um, also, you know, although I'm not a water sign, very much an earth sign. Um, I do love to be by the water love to be on a boat but I think that that is a genetic predisposition from my dad who lives on a boat and loves boats too yes so maybe why. yes but I also think that because but you and I both are earth signs we love to be by the sea and near the sea because that's what the earth is <laughs> so oh my god you have blown my mind um, yeah, wow. no, uh, I see you as very adult in a lot of the exploits you have so well done you've made it Thanks. I've only just written, yeah, that has just really crystallized to me because it's not like we're a land sign. We are an earth sign. We are. <laughs> we are the earth. <laughs> Absolutely dropping gems today, Lucy. But, you know, did we ever, did we ever doubt that that would be the case? Um, I'm going to volley back to you um, your longing for this week. Uh, so this week I am longing for, you know what? Absolute variations on the theme this week. Um, I am logging for uh, next week. I am going to the seaside. Finally, I will see the sea for the first time since January. Um, I'm going to Cornwall um, and it's going to be stunning. 
and like you know we're gonna be very socially distanced from everybody etc but it's just like going to a different place being by the sea cannot wait for it um i'm very very excited very much longing for it yeah cornwall looks absolutely beautiful at the moment there's a few people that i know who are there right now and it looks absolutely gorgeous so you're gonna have a stunning time well i think it's gorgeous now but i think the weather forecast for next week is pure rain so (laughs) okay (laughs) we'll see I like the well, seaside in the rain anyway. So it's, it's too it's too hot this week anyway. Uh, you won't want to be going out walking in this sunshine. So, <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Um, That's true. Yeah, whatever whatever way, it will just be a gorgeous change of scene, obviously. And a gorgeous change of scene and the seaside are well known to be gay rights. So there they you are. Go. So Olivia, I have some shocking news for you. Oh, what's uh, going on? I've been on the blogs this week and I've got an article to suggest, which may come as a shock to everyone. Again, we're mixing it up. (laughs) Although I do know that you have read this as well, obviously, because you're always on the blogs. So (laughs) Um, it was an article by Rebecca Solnit, who is a great uh, feminist writer, written some really great um, selections of essays, which I know we've both read. And I think we went and saw her, didn't we, um, a couple of years ago? Uh, talking about one of her newest collections yes yeah and that was one of those stunning queer events oh ode to a queer event we miss you very much um i know um yeah so uh she has written an article it's an opinion piece in the guardian which is entitled trans women pose no threat to cis women but we pose a threat to them if we make them outcasts um and i just thought it was a really good she sort of um poses it as like a letter to to late she says dear ladies who are fearful and hostile to trans women um and it's just like a really well written piece about the fact that you know we are not at threat by as cis women we are not a threat by trans women um and that uh, any turfism or any sort of action like that is actually really harmful to you know women as a whole as opposed to in the terms that turfs kind of feel that it's uh helping which it isn't um and i just thought it was a really great um way a really well written article to read if you sort of want to hear like a piece that puts together like why this is not something to be threatened by i would like to think that people who listen to this didn't feel like that anyway but um yeah, i feel like it's a really reasonable reasoned well argued methodical piece and um i mean even the bit it's, it's usually the sort of simplest things that really kind of um crystallize certain points that definitely i'll take away and um try and um adopt into conversations with people who may have sort of different views about about this and um one of them was about obviously um the ridiculous um toilet panic that a lot of people have um about trans uh women using um the women's toilets and bathrooms and um rebecca solnit makes the point to paraphrase um well you let um you let electricians and people who manage the gas sort of come into your house to do jobs and we don't ban all like gas people and electricians for coming to homes yeah because the 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 risk is the risk is not even the same. The risk is so much higher because typically electricians are men, and um, you know, as she says, it's the unarguable truth that the biggest threat to women are 
cisgendered men so um you know that's not again to say and as she says that all men are bad all of those all of those things but it really does create um a, a sort of reference piece that is really just truthful and just and just stark in in the points in the points that it makes and i think that her writing is all the more impactful for it because it's kind of truths that can't be um that can't be ignored and draw interesting parallels that i think would make people who have um have different views about this um maybe stop and think rather than just kind of completely uh making fun or sort of really um really sort of pushing back in um in an aggressive way it's it, i think it'll just you know we we've we've talked a lot like you were saying probably a lot of people who read this won't disagree like a lot of people but i think it's for those people to kind of read it take take it on board and then put that out into the world of people that they know who do disagree and i think that the way that she's done it is really kind of um yeah un unarguable and clear yeah yeah it'd be very hard to refute the things she said and she also writes in a very accessible way which like you say you feel like you can take uh examples from it and be like oh you know what well as you know rebecca solnit said like and that example like you have of uh said about the uh service men etc in your house um yeah because like basically her point is so i'm just going to read a tiny bit of it that she has said here um which you've sort of mentioned i'll just read it out so she says she says, in terms of trans people and non-binary people, she says, I'm not speaking for any of them. So many queer and trans people have already spoken up eloquently, but perhaps there's something useful for a cisgender straight woman to say to other cisgender women, which I'm going to say as someone who is also a hardcore feminist. The major threat to women, straight or not, cis or not, always was and still is straight men and the patriarchy. And like you said, that is the main threat. And basically, it's sort of like reinforcing that idea that like, like for me i think in my opinion uh sort of turfism and in in terms of like uh being outraged about trans women and trans rights etc is a distraction from what is really the biggest issue and threat to women um and she just puts it very eloquently like you said and yeah i think it's a really good article so i'll link it in the show notes um and i think like you say more than anything it's just a really good resource for if you want to like you know speak to other people who maybe don't have this shared same views as you. So Olivia, apart from all the blogs, have you been reading anything? Have you added anything to your red list of the year? Um, I have, and I have finished a book that um, was really doing the rounds um, a couple of years ago that I've always uh, meant to read. I bought it a long time ago. And um, I don't know why I hadn't got around to it till now, but anyway, got around to it, read it and finished it. And that is Ordinary People by Diana Evans. Um, so yeah, um, basically it's a book about um, midlife, your, your sort of midlife. It's about couples. It's about, um, it's described as kind of like midlife malaise <laughs> and, um <laughs> and relationships breaking down or sort of questioning your own identity within a family and within children and in a, in a partnership, um, monogamy, all of those things that I think, um, a lot of people going into middle age who have, um, sort of, um, newly ish established families and are sort of firmly entrenched in that new stage of life when they sort of turn around and kind of don't know how they got there. Um, and 
I think a lot of um, books that would sort of describe itself in this genre um, can be a bit sort of, um, you know, it can be a bit sort of binary in how it presents relationships and like, you know, um, a, a woman is wronged by her husband when she walks in on him having sex with another woman who's inevitably the secretary of his very large corporation. She moves to the countryside, meets, um, you know, a carpenter and they have a love affair and she finds oh. herself, basically. Sounds like um, one of my favourite Christmas films. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and obviously there is a gorgeous place for all of those yes. films and books. It's the whole but- <laughs> I think that it, yeah, I think that it, um, it does a lot to kind of broaden out um, that sort of genre and that's and those sorts of themes, um, and it's also a little bit unlike, unlike what I've just described. It's also a bit sort of supernatural and metaphorical as as well, and that kind of seeps in sort of once you get past the halfway point of the book, and um, it's the house that, that, that the main couple live in is um, there's, there's something wrong with it and it's sort of decaying and there's like dust everywhere and there's, there's mice and there's, there's certain problems that are always um, trying to be fixed as if it's kind of like a metaphor for the decay of their relationship and of um, the main sort of woman's um, sense of self, I suppose. And um, yeah, it, it, it is interesting in that way and unexpected and just some and just a bit different um it's a bit of a different way of approaching and exploring those themes that normally are like super linear and super sort of binary in how they're presented so to me that that made it um yeah it made it an interesting book um it also talks a lot about blackness and black identity um as part of um the the themes that run through the book um between a lot of the characters and yeah i think it was just um an unexpected interesting look at what it means to reach that stage of life and taps into you know thoughts and feelings that maybe are repressed often um so yeah i enjoyed it i'd recommend it yeah Um, have you read anything this week? Yeah, um, interestingly, quite s- sort of similar in some themes of what you've just read. So I read um, Deborah Levy's Swimming Home, um, which like, I've only ever read Hot Milk by Deborah Levy and absolutely 10 out of a million, a million out of a million even. <laughs> not 10 out of a million, that's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> a million out of 10. Yeah, a million out of ten. Love that book so much and like have been interested to read more Deborah Levy. Um and I realized I had this book and I was like, oh shit, I didn't even realise I had that. So um I was like, right, I'm gonna read it. And it's quite short. It sort of all takes place over um like one week uh in like a you know, villa in France. I keep reading these books which are like happening um happen things that happen one summer to a family kind of thing. Yeah, well, in my book, there's a whole sort of section of the book that takes place when they go on like this sort of patching up their relationships and lives joint couples vacation to Magaluf. What? <laughs> oh, um, I yeah, and um, yeah, it just like describes it described um, a funny line in it was um, to again paraphrase. I can't remember it exactly, but there's a bit where all the couples are like sat outside of an evening and they're all like having drinks and stuff. And it describes like in the middle, there's a bowl of crisps 
Doritos Cool Original, which had all been um, silently agreed upon as a superior and quality crisp of the holiday. <laughs> that is amazing. That that gives the books a thousand stars already. Like, yeah, love so true. Yeah. What do we love more than talking about holiday crisps? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Um, Anyway, you were saying I just had to tell you that bit. <laughs> no, 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 that's great. That's great. Thank you. Very, very pleased to hear it. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, I keep reading these books that are set like one summer, a thing happens and it changes a family forever kind of thing. Um, and yeah, it's just set in this villa. There's, um, it's like a family are there for their summer holidays. The dad of the family is like a poet. The mom is like a war correspondent um and the there's a kid um and then there's this woman like turns up she just happens to sort of be there and it's about sort of the impact of her uh turning up on their lives and stuff um and uh, more than anything it's sort of a book about uh like you said in your book it's a book about like what's not said and what's not expressed um explicitly it's about depression and about how that affects people uh, in very different ways and about how that can lead to uh, intense trauma uh, and, um, you know, rippling effects on lots of people. Um, it was really good. It, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was very easy to read and you felt like because it was uh, quite short and, you know, set over these few days that you're really like in that situation, which I really like when it's just like, oh yeah, it's just happening. It's happening all in in one go. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, and uh, I, it was it had some lovely uh, imagery and stuff of being in the south of France, which you know obviously would be lovely this time of year, but I wouldn't know about it. So, um, <laughs> but I'm a big fan, and I'm a big fan. I want to read more Deborah Levy because she is um, she just writes about things that I'm interested in, and in a way that is uh, compelling to me. So yeah, and she's great at painting a picture of physical places without necessarily having to like massively over describe them she just sort of manages to do that in um quite a lean way almost yes absolutely. um yeah. like especially with, with hot milk so yeah i'd be interested to read that one i also have a tip for you from <laughs> um my book and one of the characters um damien is a writer and um he is writing um a play about michael jackson faking his own death so that he can like see all the people loving him the most like after he's died basically it's set like around the time that michael jackson died the book okay yeah. um and he yeah explores this whole thing of like what if it's a conspiracy theory and one of my favorite things firstly is when books include writers and include the writing of that fictional writer in the book um, so they do that as like um, an epilogue at the end of the book so you get a sort of insight into this play which is really funny um, but it reminded me of like one of my favourite books that I read when I was growing up I, I really loved Douglas Coupland have you ever read his books? oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, and there's this book that I loved called The Gum Thief and um, one of the main characters in that wrote this play called Glove Pond and that play was like interspersed throughout the the book and it was about these like deranged characters who always thought they were having people to come over for a dinner party and no one came but they never had any food in and it was just like this like anyway this massive farce but I liked that in a book but um long story long Damien um the way that he gets into his groove of writing his Michael Jackson conspiracy uh screenplay 
is that he um, goes to the kitchen table, he gets his laptop, puts that on the kitchen table, gets himself set up. But then the trick is that he gets a basin, like a sort of washing up basin, fill it, fills it with cold water and sits with his bare feet in it to write. And that's what helps him write having cold feet. That's so maybe that's the answer. Maybe that's what I've needed all this time. <laughs> so, you know, to help me get over the line with your screenplay, exactly. that's what you need to do. That is, I hope, invaluable advice. And I will be doing that as soon as... Do you know what? I would love to have my feet in a, in a bucket of water, cold water right now, wouldn't you? Yeah, I absolutely would. And that's why I was thinking, I mean, this room is so small. I don't think it would be safe to try and attempt to put a basement, a, a base a basement uh <laughs> what what is the word a basin of water in here but if i go and work downstairs maybe it could be a thing that happens and it might improve my productivity who knows i'll let you know well, let's put it to the test and report back yes let's make a pack to try it and um report our findings so that's what we've been reading or what have you been watching olivia well, I finally finished um, the latest season of Good Girls. I know that you finished this a few weeks ago. Um, what did you think of the latest offering? Yes. <laughs> Offer up on a little dishy. Um, I, I find it like every time this program comes out, the new series, I'm always like, I feel like it's something that I shouldn't like, but I do like it. Like, I don't know why. Like, it's sort of, you would read it out on paper and I'd sort of be like, eh, no, not really into it. But there's something about it. It's just very entertaining. Uh, it's, you know, quite funny. And I like the characters loads. Um, I thought that this season was, I mean, I watched it very quickly because it was something that just I watched. That means I can watch it really quickly as opposed to something that I share watch with Izzy and Adam, which means that I watch it over like the space of a year. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I enjoyed it. I think that it's sort of a bit following a bit of like a formula. I'm not sure how they're going to crack it. Um, and how they're going to make it any different. Yeah, Um, I agree. It goes through the same pattern of like, yeah, they do some good money laundering. Something goes wrong. Yeah. The one with the ginger hair fixes it. It carries on and on and on and on. And um, yeah, it's just always like a peril. The peril gets fixed. They carry on for a bit. There's another yeah. peril of, you know, the same sort of magnitude each time. And like, how do you kind of break out of that uh, that cycle? And yeah. Um, yeah, I was watching with my girlfriend. She was like, I just kind of feel stressed by this now. Like I'm just in it. And I can't just like get out of it anymore because it's kind of like a groundhog day of just things going wrong it gets solved it carries on and on and on yeah so I, don't know. I kind of find that element of it because it's not something that I feel incredibly invested in or something that I think is really sort of as it were important or anything like that that therefore I find the repetitiveness of it quite comforting in that I know I can watch this I'll be entertained yes it might be the same storyline over and over and eventually I would be very bored of that but that in the right kind of mood and mindset that that's exactly what I need sometimes from telly um and it has like that element to it um yeah so I don't know what they're gonna do they need to really shake it up next season because they've obviously left it open for another season and like they either need to really shake it up or round it out so we'll see um what they'll do um, but yeah, no, I enjoy it. I think it's got good good performances from all the main people. And obviously, um, I am in love with Manny Montana, who plays Rio. So, you know, it's good enough for me. 
Oh my god, yeah, same. Um, does he have an Instagram and can we follow it? I think he does, but I haven't followed it. We need to do that. Yeah, we do. It's a matter <laughs> of urgency. Um, yeah, I can definitely see how if you um, how if you watched this when you were young, he could be in the same way as how Danny Zuko was for me. Your queer awakening. Yes, or like a. Um, Oh God, uh, Jordan Catalino in um, My So-Called Life. That's similar, oh, yeah. yeah, sort of vibe. Like a bit dangerous, <laughs> but yeah. you know, it's what you need. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm not like, it's not something that I'm like shouting off the rooftops about, but you know, if you want just like a nice, easy watching, quite entertaining and quite funny in parts like show, then it definitely does that. Um, and I guess the other, only other thing to note is that in terms of, uh, queer representation there is a um, seemingly to my to my opinion well thought out trans representation of one of the children um, in the show and it just adds like a nice bit of representation in my opinion yeah Ben is great yeah <laughs> what else have you watched we need to we need to hear some gay rights we need to hear about some gorgeous queer representation and if there isn't any i'm afraid you're gonna have to make it up oh okay uh <laughs> i watched uh call me by your name no i didn't um <laughs> I, although i'm tempted because that is a lovely summer film that makes me feel nice and summery yeah uh, but if you weren't like feeling sad about not being in italy any more than you already are it's just gonna make life worse for you really gonna do it isn't it it's really gonna do it for you and yeah. you're wearing your um you're wearing your <laughs> mummy on holiday in italy dress today as well i am i'm in my linen like uh sack and um loving life so yeah she's in she's in uh oh god i can't remember what it's called what's the bit of italy that's like tuscany she's in tuscany and she's having a yeah. negroni um yeah. She's worrying over the Putinesca for young, I don't know, what's posh name? Tarquin. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> anyway, right. I have actually watched um, some, uh, well, one very queer good film, which I wanted to talk about. So I watched um, a film called Pariah, which is by a director and writer called Dee Reese, which is like a queer sort of coming of age um, in Brooklyn, early noughties. Think flip phones, think, you know, like lots of wildly colored different accessories and tops and jumpers, etc. cetera. Um, wow. And it's basically just about this um, girl. I think she might be maybe 15, 16. Um, realizing she's queer but leading kind of like a double life like um you know she so this film sort of starts with like her out with her one of her best mates who's also gay um in the city kind of thing at a gay bar and then uh she's dressed very sort of uh we would say sort of like like butchy and then she gets on the bus to go home and like makes her friend like get off before her stop and then like starts to sort of derobe into like more femme presenting clothing that wouldn't really give the game away as it were to her parents um and it's just about like uh her coming of age coming out her like relationships with her family um and uh, it's it's really good. There's there's this really hilarious bit um, where she's like start. Her mom has like decided to try to like stop her being 
hanging out with bad influence people um and has decided to like make her hang out with this kid who is a friend of hers kid from church so they start hanging out but actually they start having a flirtation um and sort of some things maybe do happen and um there's this bit where they bond over liking rock music and it's so (laughs) funny it's so good and then there's this bit and then they go to this house party where there's like this rock band playing which is just like insane and it proved right my theory that you can't have like a coming of age or like teen film without a house party like there is not one that doesn't have a house party at some point basically can you tell me one no i'm yeah i'm literally trying to think of one now booksmart has one uh yeah they all have them they all have them basically they all have them basically um yeah and like what's really really great about the film is that every character in it is nuanced they are all have their own like they feel really built up it's only a 90 minute film obviously perfect amount of time for us <laughs> izzy has decided to make a list of like 90 minute films so that when we're like we want a film but we want it to be quick we just watch that um yeah. and uh but every single character feels very uh, like you really know a lot about them, that you feel like you're invested in them. And I think that's really like impressive from like a short film and from a film that definitely didn't have a huge budget. It's just like a small film. Um, and yeah, it's a really good uh, look at both um, sort of like the themes of queerness, um, of like family, family, familial relationships, of blackness. Um, and it's just really really good would completely recommend it i think it's and if you've got what an hour and a half to spare just throw it on have a watch why not exactly yeah that's that's great about the 90 minute thing because if you like sit down to watch something at say half nine you know you're gonna be tired if it's a two and a half hour situation you've got work the next day you've got things to do you don't have time for you know an epic um so yeah it is good to know we should maybe start compiling our um, a list of films as well as a list of tracks of the week yes um correct i did say i would do that i haven't so i will oh, yeah. someone actually asked us didn't they to do it well yeah, i completely to... failed to do it but you know i will so yeah hey, good well, idea i will do that. Show, lucy's gonna do her homework <laughs> um and speaking of track of the week why don't we move on to that absolutely um so yeah olivia what is yours um, well, um, it comes off the back of um, listening to um, Alanis Morissette on Table Manners, which was just an absolute joy. Um, <laughs> you know, what what a hun, what an absolute woman of my youth. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, you know, like just such a gorgeous podcast when he just cooking something and um yeah just really getting into that place and um yeah she talked about um basically like Lenny was trying to was trying to get her to say who the you ought to know person is but she was like I'll never tell um um, but yeah so off the back of that my track of the week is um the Alanis's interlude by Halsey um have you listened to that no Uh, interestingly someone asked me this week at work they said do you listen to Halsey and I was like I like know some Halsey songs but haven't really listened to Halsey so yeah tell me about it um I'm yeah I'm probably not like 
that much in the know about Halsey, to be honest. Um, but I saw it on Instagram um, a while ago of them like both doing the song together. And um, I think very much in line with um, WAP, which came out this week and is also just everyone's track of the week and should be. Um, there's a similar sort of thematic crossover, shall we say. Um, so if you want to go and explore that in your own time, then you absolutely can. And um, yeah, probably um, probably a two for one track of the week from me this oh, week. Yeah. And also um, really great how a lot of people have been um, sticking up for Cardi B creating um, a highly sexualized song um, amidst a lot of um, patriarchal backlash against it when... Um, you know, her male peers and contemporaries have done exactly the same for many, many decades. Um, so, yeah, shout out to that song as well. I also think in terms of that, she obviously, uh, WAP is like uh, super like sexualized in like its its lyrics, etc. Uh, and theme. But like Cardi B has been doing sexual stuff for ages. It's like it's just because it's so sort of obvious that like people are like, oh, well, we're going to talk about it now. And it's like, oh, just shut the fuck up. Like, and it, get on with it. It's a great bop. <laughs> I know. And like, you know, she has never claimed to be, as I think somebody said um, this week on Instagram, like, like teen pop. Um, you know, she's never claimed to be for kids. Um, and why should she have to claim to be for anyone? Like, she should just do what she likes. Yeah, exactly. Wild. Um, yeah, and I think the video for that is just amazing. And um, I love the sense of humour to it. It just doesn't take itself too seriously at all, but is really fun and clever. And I love the bit at the end where they, like, go off laughing down that, yeah. like, down that hallway. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, really iconic. Yeah. Um, what is your track of the week? Well, apart from also honourable mention to that, we'll put that in as a double uh, track of the week from both of us, which uh, I have enjoyed uh, a lot. <laughs> My track of the week is... Oh, right. So um, I've been doing a bit of driving with Izzy and Adam, obviously recently going to places and stuff. And um, I usually like make one of them be in charge of putting on the music because I'm like, oh, like, whatever. Uh you know, you don't have to listen to my basically fully Taylor Swift playlist um, if you don't want to. So here, take the mic. Um, and I also find it interesting because I get to like listen to different things that I wouldn't re maybe really listen to as much um, and then like learn some new bit, like new music I like and stuff as well, which is cool. But um, <laughs> recently, Izzy's been um, getting into it. She, she's on the TikToks, I'm afraid. And she's uh, got into a bit of some TikTok holes. And therefore, like when she can't think of like what to play, she just plays like the TikTok songs. <laughs> <laughs> which to be honest are very entertaining for the very reason you know they are made to be catchy and interesting and stuff like that and um i can't stop listening to this one of them which is um uh, a tiktok song uh, and also i guess just a general song but who knows what is anything anymore um and it is called Roses and it is by St John but St John is written all like you would write it um for your msn uh name it's like all capitals one little t and then like no uh vowels in john love it like stunning so uh yeah that is my track it's just like such a sort of like summary bop really good to drive to and just like essentially a ridiculous song but super catchy and fun so why not 
I spend a lot of time on TikTok when I can't sleep. Like last night in the storm, I was on TikTok till like 3 a.m. But I don't know if I know what that song is. What is what are the lyrics? You'd know it. I'm gonna play it too. Because I can't what, what, what what kind of TikToks do they do to it? Like dancing TikToks. Okay. You'll know it. I can't sing it because it's I don't know what the lyrics actually are. That's how much of a TikTok song it is. I'm gonna play it to you. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. And it's just ridiculous as a song, but makes me think of like the clubs and stuff in a nice, like quite nostalgic way. So I'm into it. Oh, I know, I know. So we absolutely, well, basically agree with TikTok and uh, don't think it should ever be banned because that's a poor way to uh, manage anything ever. Um, Anyway, but there are some things that we don't agree with. It's time for... I don't agree with it. Olivia, what do you not agree with this week? It reminded me earlier on in the podcast that I absolutely do not agree with my star sign changing. And I never will. Yes. When you said that earlier, I was like, that should be one of our... I can't believe we haven't done that and I don't agree with it. Yeah. Yeah. It affects you as well, doesn't it? You're no longer a Taurus. I'm no longer a Taurus. Apparently I'm a... I can't remember what the other ones are because I don't want to know. Well, I'm 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 personally... I'm personally ignoring it because I lean into my Capricorndom and Capricorns get a bit of a bad rap. I mean, not like Geminis do, but like Capricorns do for like being a bit boring and stuff. Um, but I just, I just lean into it and I just, I just go for it. And that's just me. Absolutely. So I believe what happened is that NASA said that like the Zodiac signs, there was actually a, an extra one called off. Ophiuchus, Ophiuchus, or something like that, and that therefore we've all like been wrong, and therefore we all have different um, uh, zodiac signs, which is just um, incorrect. Because as you know, you and I said to each other at the time, uh, we are absolutely very much ourselves. Um, yeah. So you would be a Sagittarius, and I would yeah. be an Aries. Please. <laughs> yeah, you are a hundred percent not an Aries. Thank you um, so much. But. I mean, I, I'm not not a Sagittarius, but I'm so Capricorn, it's undeniable. You are so Capricorn that, that it is irrefutable. Um, and like, I thought I didn't really care about my star sign until this very thing came along and tried to, you know, shake me to the core. What? And I was you, like, excuse you, me. You cared about it before that. I made you care about it through memes. <laughs> yeah, no, like that has definitely been the thing that's made me care about it in the recent years is your many memes. Yeah. Yeah, that is a very good, I don't agree with it. And actually, apparently it has been a bit debunked. So hopefully uh, it means that we are very much what we say we are, which we are. Because as we said last podcast, and we'll say it forevermore, if someone tells you what they are, that's what they are. Yes. And also off the back of that Bernadine chat, um, when I was reading the Rebecca Solnit um, essay, it does sort of talk about that a bit and about young people's identities and coming out and how you know, obviously things can change and people can go back on what they said and they might detransition and all those things. And that's entirely valid and great and fine. But also um, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't believe people when they tell us who they are. Um, so yeah, it, it made a lot of sense in the context of um, our conversation last week as well. Definitely. And what don't you agree with this week? Well, um, so as I have been, um, I've been watching a few films recently, and these are not queer films, I didn't mention them before, but um, basically my I don't agree with it this week is films 
that just try to be clever for no reason. Mm-hmm. No. no. So on Saturday night, we were like, right, we're going to watch two films because we can. And we were like, absolutely going to do it. We watched, the first one we watched was An American Werewolf in London. Hilarious. Very funny. Cult film from the 80s. Ridiculous, but entertaining. And then the second film we watched, we were like, right, we want like a 90 minute. It was already like 11 o'clock or something stupid. And, um, and I was like, right, I need something that's like, going to keep me engaged it's got to be kind of interesting thrilling you know nothing too like uh not very plot heavy you know what i mean like something that's that's going to keep us awake so we watched so um izzy and myself included huge fans of jake gyllenhaal so on her list is like just every jake gyllenhaal film in the world so we watched a jake gyllenhaal film from i don't know a few years ago called enemy right yeah have you seen this film is that oh no i'm thinking of that one where he's that fighter it's not the same one is it no it's not that one um this is a film where he plays like a professor who's like depressed and basically he finds he like watches a film and there's someone in the film that looks exactly like him and then he basically stalks this guy who is basically they are identical um and they it's about like them intertwining their lives and sort of like trying to figure out what's happening there's all this intrigue it's all sort of like oh are they are they two people or are they one person like what's going on ripley-esque it is but it's not good <laughs> oh, okay. It is not a good film. Um, sounds great. Yeah, no, the premise sounds great. So we were like, yeah, let's watch that. Double Jake. What more could you want? So <laughs> we put it on and um it starts off kind of like, oh, you're like, oh, you're really intrigued. It's annoyingly one of those films that is like supremely sepia toned, you know, where like everything is like yellow, like it's trying to look like, like, like a single man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and like it's just ridiculous um when they do that to films anyway but so we were like oh yeah i went with it and then basically i'm not gonna like spoil it because some people might want to watch it whatever but basically the ending it does like some sort of twisty kind of ending and tried to make you like feel that basically tries to make you believe that like they're actually just one person not two people blah 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 but then that doesn't come together in any way shape or form and therefore the ending just makes no sense but just leaves you like what um, and I think now we, we, we read like millions of reviews afterwards and there's loads, there's loads of people who like to watch a film like that and be like, whoa, mind blown. Um, when they can't actually explain it or like their favorite thing to do afterwards is Adam put it, is like, just go to Google and put in like enemy explained. Um, and it's like, if a film, a film can be interesting and twisty and stuff like that. I really enjoy that, but it has to actually make sense. And this did not make sense. It was just doing that for the sake of being that kind of film, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's annoying. Crap. And not good to me. And I think bad storytelling and bad filmmaking. And I was not into it. And it really annoyed me. So, Like uh, like when you watch something and you can tell that they don't really know what the ending is. And then they're like, well, we'll make it mysterious. And then they'll think that we're being mysterious, which is actually like insulting to the people watching it, a la the last series of The L Word. Absolutely. They admitted years after that they don't know who killed Jenny, and that was the whole point of the last series. Yeah. So yeah, annoying. Uh, so Olivia, I've got some um, disappointing news, but necessary news. So I hope you're sitting comfortably there. Okay, I'm braced for impact. Yeah. <laughs> Prepare for air. Um, 
Unfortunately, we've had to furlough Celine uh, this week as um, she basically is up to nothing, which is fine because a lot of people are up to nothing. And we didn't want to bring you absolutely bare minimum something about an outfit she wore once. Not not particularly interesting news, is it? So um, we've furloughed Celine. And if we have to continue furloughing Celine um, for this stunning segment, we will endeavor to find some other juicy celeb gossip news or even just celeb news and happenings for future weeks that's what we promise isn't it olivia sounds like a like a fair a fair plan absolutely <laughs> we can't we can't insult the listeners enough to give them subpar celine news they would sniff no. it out with seconds <laughs> so whilst we scour the internet for celebrity hot gossy we will be a loving you leaving you and longing for you until next time good bye oh we've not said we're not going to be here who cares who cares (laughs) 